0: If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and get them out. Got your Bible apps on your phone. I want to direct you to two openings. The first one is Deuteronomy 29, all right? That's our text for this series. And then the second place is Acts chapter 27. Deuteronomy 29 and Acts 27. Uh, if, you're, if you're new with us, you might, uh, might notice we're in a series. I typically, most of the time, will teach in series and uh, it seems to be most beneficial that I cover things that way. And uh, this series is called Why? And uh, literally, like you saw in the bumper, uh, we're dealing with a uh, really a principle of that could manifest in many way, many many ways different types of questions of why certain bad things happened, why something didn't work that you thought would work, why things have gone south. And uh, I think those are valid questions um, it's not an unspiritual person that asks those. It's a person who knows that there is an answer that asks those questions. Um, and so I want to jump back into the, uh, this subject and go a little bit further. Be- beginning with Deuteronomy 29, 29, it reads, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And so the language there is that there are secret things and there are revealed things. If it's secret, well, it's God's prerogative whether whether or not he tells us. But if it's been revealed, then that seems like that would be on me to go after it. If I don't know it, I should ask, seek, I should study, I should inquire, right? I can use my brain, but more than that, use the... You know, use my spirit and reach out and and and, and seek answers from God for life. And uh, and uh, like I said before, these questions are valid if you have them. If you've experienced things in your life and you th- you're thinking, "What in the world is going on? Why did this happen?" Join the club. Don't don't ever for a moment feel bad for asking those kind of questions. God wants you to have the answer, and in part, it's comforting. But the other part, it helps us going forward. It helps us to deal with things that have not yet happened that maybe can be avoided. Uh, One of the the ways I know how people think is I read social media from time to time. (laughs) By the way, some of you watch it. Seriously. (laughs) Don't call yourself a Christian if you're going to repost those things. That was totally a side note. That wasn't even a part of my message. I'm just throwing that out for free. All right. It's not a good sign when your pastor wants to defriend you. Because he doesn't want to see those things. All right. Now now back to my subject. Although that was beneficial. Everybody say thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime I can help. Uh, uh, but sometimes, you know how people will put up quotes and memes and different things. Sometimes you know where they came from. Sometimes you don't. But they get forwarded around. And, uh, and so, I found a couple of them. I wasn't looking for them. But I saved them for my message. <laughs> uh, just little thoughts that I think, ah, don't say it that way. Because people latch onto it without really going further. Here's one. God chooses what you go through. You choose how you go through it. See? People are going, oh, now am I supposed to amen that one or <laughs> owe oh me that one? <laughs> See, it's subtle because the attitude part is like, oh, yeah, we do choose how we go through stuff. I can agree with that. But it's the first side. God chooses what you go through. You mean Everything. Is everything I've gone through as a result of God's choice or did I have something to do with it? Or did, was I attacked by the enemy? See, there are other parts to, for us just to assume it's always that way. No, don't embrace that. All right? Here's another one. have seen this one uh, a couple times. It goes like this. I don't know who authored this one. The other one I do, but I won't tell you. <laughs> He's a good guy, but... Uh, um, It it, it goes like this. If you can trust a puzzle company to make sure every piece is in the box to complete the puzzle, then why can't you trust God that every piece of your life is there for a reason? Well, because not every piece of my life was put there by God. That's why I can't. See, it's making a false comparison. The puzzle piece and then everything in your life is a puzzle piece designed by God. No, I, I put a couple of those in there. When I disobeyed God, when I was selfish, you know what I mean? So I'm not blaming that, him on, that on him. And some of it was some other factors, too, that we've covered and will cover as well. But it's just, no, I'm not just going to do that. What these type of sayings do is create within the believer a passivity. Don't ask questions, just sit back and trust and accept that everything is, is uh, you know, The way it's supposed to be. Some things are not the way they're supposed to be. As we taught last week, they require your voice to speak to the mountain. They require you to stand up and speak peace to the storm, right? Hallelujah. Everybody okay? And so I don't believe in these things that just say, basically you're saying don't question, just accept everything is unchangeable. No, I'm going to question things. Am I going to question God? Not in an accusative way, I'm going to question him in a teach-me-Lord way, right? But I am going to ask questions, and I think the Lord wants us to, okay? And so uh, some of the things we've taught previously have to do with, well, just the last couple parts of this series anyway. We know that sometimes we get in situations because of our own disobedience, because of our own, you know, ignoring of God's direction. That can sometimes sting. Uh, We know that sometimes we get into situations, negative ones, because the enemy just simply is trying to stop us. Trying to attack, trying to sink our ship because of what's coming next, right? I want to go and, and talk to you today about the actions of others. The actions of others. See, we can change our own behavior. We can rebuke the devil when he attacks But we can't just change others by using the name of Jesus on them. You ever tried that? Maybe you've commanded your spouse or you've commanded your uh, someone on the road, I don't know, in the name of Jesus to change. Uh, How'd that work out for you? Did, Did they just change because you used the magic name? (laughs) <laughs> now, that name is powerful and wonderful, but it doesn't necessarily change people's will and, cha- and override what someone else will do. When someone is being demonically driven, and that happens, they're being inspired and moved and motivated to harass you, to, to hinder you from uh, doing what God's plan is for your life. There are situations like that where we can take authority over the spirit behind the person. But we still don't have authority over the person. And many situations that we just want to call, that's the devil all day long. Well, maybe it is in a very indirect way. In reality, it's that person's selfishness. It's their anger issue. It's their whatever it is. It's them making the choice. And I wish I could wave my hand and cast it all out. Cast everyone's carnality out of them. (laughs) And I'd do it myself too. Mm. Never be selfish or fleshy again in your life. I cast it in the pit of hell. It doesn't work that way. It just simply doesn't. That's why we're here. That's why for, you know, for the believer to grow, it requires mind renewal. It requires some application of God's Word. And that's work. That takes time. I wish it were a laying on of hands and a casting out and a casting in and whatever else that we could just fix all the world's problems with one command, but not all situations fall into that category. And so, uh, did you find uh, Acts 27? It's right there after Acts 26, if you're having trouble locating it. Um, the, uh, the Apostle Paul... Who had a very interesting, powerful yet tumultuous, tumultuous—how do you say that word? Tumultuous life, uh, and what we have record of some of it. But he went through a lot of stuff. One on, in one of his one of the periods of his life, the Lord started warning him about what was coming up, and how he was going to be persecuted, basically. And 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 he decided to go to Jerusalem because he wanted to preach there and the Lord told him it's going to be rough. In fact, you're going to get bound up and so forth. And he said, I'm going anyway. He believed it was right. He said, I don't care if I die. I don't, I'll do anything for the Lord. And he went and, and he barely got to preach. He got to preach a little bit. Then he was arrested and he went through a whole bunch of stuff going through the court system there. And eventually he appealed to Caesar. And so they put him on a ship. As they're getting on a ship. This is where we pick up Acts 27 and verse 9. It says, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, meaning that time of year, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Now, I don't think he necessarily had a word from God as far as the Lord said, da, 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 but he perceived this, okay? I think it's more than natural perception of his ship-going, shipfaring wisdom, but it's about inwardly he knew something's not right about this. You ever have that kind of leading where you don't know exactly, you don't know specifically the timing, you don't know all the details, but it's like you're go- stepping into a situation, it's like something's not right about this. I don't think I'm supposed to go on this trip, or I don't think I'm supposed to take this position. Something's not right about it. I perceive there's going to be problems if I do that. That's a real thing, by the way. For if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God in you. That's a real thing. Don't ignore it. Paul was telling him this. He said, "This is not going to go well." Uh, Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards the southwest and northwest and winter there. So you've got Paul, of course, He's a prisoner at this point, And you've got the majority. They should have listened to him, right? They should have heeded him. Uh, have you ever found that someone should have listened to you? <laughs> and you didn't wish them any ill, but you thought, you're listening to the wrong people here. You're listening to one... You, you've got a choice. We often have a choice of who we're going to pay attention to. I suggest we use wisdom just in... For, Step back and say, who should I be listening to in my life? There are many times you can read in the, in the Old Testament how uh, Solomon's son listened to the wrong crowd and he caused a total mess just because he wanted to listen to his peers. Here it said the majority said, let's go, let's take a vote, let's go. The majority is not always right, by the way. Ask Noah. Uh, um, uh, we need to know who we're listening to. I remember years ago, um, I was starting to counsel this young couple prior to getting married and and I had said some things to them about how they were conducting their life and their relationship and and, uh, made some recommendations for them. They resisted my uh, brilliant counsel. (laughs) (laughs) I can say that now for sure. (laughs) Uh, No, but I I instructed them according to the word of God. I don't know everything, but I I gave them what I believed was right. They didn't like what I had to say. They kind of pushed back a little bit, and then I didn't see them for years. And uh, years later, all of a sudden, uh, uh, they they show up to church, and they're doing good. And he tells, and one of them, the guy, he starts telling me, he said, he said, back then when you talked to us and you told us, he said, we didn't receive that, and it cost us so much. He said, we had so many hardships as a result. He said, I've told so many people since then about that story and how we didn't do what you, you told us to do. And it wasn't my will. I had no skin in the game. I just want people to win in life and succeed. And, uh, and he said, I've told so many people how we did it wrong, and I tried to help them to do it right the way you told us to do. And, uh, and, so, and I was thankful for that. I'm like, well, awesome. Praise God that things are okay with you guys and they're married and everything and had a nice family and and, uh, and then you know a few years later there was there was something that we were doing because he was then in the church uh, something that we were doing and he didn't like a decision I made <laughs> same guy <laughs> and, uh, and honestly I'll just tell you what it was it was getting this building <laughs> he thought you guys, he thought we, you, there's not enough money, it's too expensive all this kind of stuff and uh, and pushed back and I thought well you know, maybe just thought, maybe you could consider that the Lord would give the, the leader, I'm not perfect by any means, but maybe he would give me the insight, the wisdom to make some of these right decisions in a correct way, just maybe you'd give me the benefit of the doubt, and, uh, you know, and of course, he didn't, and he's disappeared. Again, I'm, I told Amy the other day, because she brought him up, I wonder what happened to so-and-so, I said, I don't know, but maybe he'll come back one of these days and say, hey, you were right. <laughs> now I don't mean that for any kind of pride thing I don't need to be right about anything I just want to do what's right and do what what God's will is but I can see in this situation that these people should have listened to Paul I mean uh, maybe they didn't know who he was and what he had and the spiritual discernment and recognition that that he was something uh, you know that would be of benefit to them but they didn't they listened to the wrong people so consider that in whoever you're listening to uh, but it goes on to say, um, a- a- after this, of course, they took off. They ran into a mega storm. Maybe you've read the story. It was horrific. They were out there for two weeks on the sea, and they all had given up, basically. They thought they were going to die. It was a horrible thing. I don't think we can even paint the picture of, of what it was like to be on the sea and not eating and just trying to survive for two weeks, uh, skip down to verse 21, though. It says, but after long abstinence of food, from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> That's true. and And not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart. This is interesting to me because he said... You should have listened, and he was right there, but maybe he's saying, look, I have a little track record now. Okay, you can trust me, I was right then, now maybe, I think he's using that to say, maybe you could listen to something I have to say now. He said, I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Ended up going exactly that way. The ship was lost. All the people were saved. But I want you to consider again: Why is Paul in this situation to begin with? Why is he dealing with this? Even though they survived, even though they came out on top, it was a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I mean, it was a tough time. Um, why did Why did he go through that? It wasn't because he did something wrong. It wasn't because God wanted this to happen. It was because he was in this situation subject to other people who were making decisions. And sometimes in life, this is not ideal, but this is not heaven either. But sometimes people deal with hardships in life because of the decisions of other people. They do. And it'd be nice if we could rebuke and bind and cast out... But it just doesn't work that way. In other words, sometimes children suffer because of their parents. Is it God's will? Absolutely not. Are they going to suffer anyway because of some parents making some poor choices? They are. Sometimes a husband or wife can be harmed by their spouse. These things happen. Say, whose fault was it? I would say it's the fault of the person doing, committing the harm, doing, making life difficult. How many know we all have choices that we make every day? And when we connect with one another in relationships of whatever kind, we somewhat open ourselves up to the choice that someone else might make that does ill and harm in our lives. Especially when it comes to, well, obviously a child doesn't choose what family they're born into, but we choose who we marry. Do, do some situations come where someone marries a good quality person, but later on that person comes to a pivot point and they make a decision and they make the wrong decision and that decision affects the family. That's real. I've known some really good people who were married and it was everything was fine until a certain point and their spouse made some choices, meaning they, they went the wrong way. God led them one way, they went the other way. And their disobedience and their poor decision making not only affected themselves, it affected the whole family. That's just the reality of how things are. You know, a bad manager can make life rough on an employee. Is that God's will? Of course not. Do we need to deal with it? Yep. We just do. You know, a harsh leader can negatively impact a follower. Uh, you know, bad laws in a country that are passed can affect the, the citizenship. All right? We have it most, not perfect by any means, but we have it mostly good compared to many countries around the country, around the world. It's that laws are passed and it makes life difficult on the people. Is that. Is that a God thing? No, it's not. Is it the individual making wrong choices? No, no, it's other people making life more difficult. None of these are the fault of God or the person harmed. People make choices. Bad ones affect other people. Amen. Have you ever noticed that in Scripture there are different types of suffering um, identified and, 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 and taught about different types of suffering. People have a great misunderstanding of God when they put all suffering in the same category. Uh, but there are, because there are, there's, how many know there's a whole bunch of suffering that we've been redeemed from? Jesus suffered so we wouldn't have to suffer. Does that, consu- does that, does that involve all suffering? Anybody with me? Stop looking at them. Does that involve all suffering? You don't know what the answer is. The answer is no. Here are two types of suffering that we're not redeemed from. You ready? Number one, it's called persecution. Persecution. We have no promise from God, no authority in Scripture that says if we'll do the right thing and say it the right way and pray enough and believe enough and have enough faith, then we'll never be persecuted for, for believing in Jesus. That's not a promise. I know a whole bunch of people that wish it was. <laughs> and, you know, me too. In fact, the scriptures say the opposite that if you live in, those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. <laughs> so there's a promise for your refrigerator. <laughs> if I live for the Lord, if I serve Him with all my heart, I'm going to have some problem with people who do not love God. That's a fact, Jack. It is so true. In fact, if, if, you're ne- if we're not being persecuted at all, we ought to start asking questions if we're really serious about our relationship with God. Yeah. Food for thought. So we're not redeemed from persecution. You can see that in Paul's situation. Here's another one. We're not redeemed from the suffering that is involved in denying the flesh. Denying, say, what are you talking about? Let me, let me tell you how you can suffer. No more eating the rest of the day. Everyone good? Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) If you don't eat the rest of the day, how many know you're going to suffer? What do you mean you're going to suffer? If you commit to that end, to a fast of some kind, your body is going to yell at you probably soon. (laughs) And it's going to say, ah, ah, hunger, hunger, feed me. Right? Fasting is a suffering. Deny, resisting temptation. When you want to do something wrong or you just want that third piece of pie or whatever. Resisting temptation is a a way that we suffer, right? In that situation, really only the mature people are ones who who will suffer at times. If you give your body and your mind everything it ever cries for, you are a baby. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean that in a nice way. Uh, But there are types of suffering that we're not redeemed from. Can I avoid, it's a question I ask, can I avoid the actions of others that would bring harm to me through their carelessness, through their sin? Is there anything I can do about that? Well, um, you know, for example, like a car accident. What if some other turkey gets drunk and runs into me? Is there anything I can do to avoid situations like that? Or are you saying, hey, it's the result of others, sometimes we're just taken out early and we didn't do anything wrong, it was all on them. Uh, I believe there, there, there are things we can do. The biggest one is learning to be led by the Holy Spirit. So even though someone might get in a, an accident or suffer as a result of the foolishness or sin of somebody else, I still have the Spirit of God inside of me, and if I will learn to pay attention to His leading, I think I can avoid a bunch of it. Everybody with me? If you want more on that subject, I did a series last year called uh, Divine Protection. You can get that on the website and hear about that in in great detail. But yes, we can avoid some of the, the, the carelessness and sin of others by being led by the Spirit into a long and prosperous life. But... What should I do if I'm in a situation, probably not real similar to to Paul, but a situation where I'm suffering as a result of things done by other people? How do I respond to it? If I can't just rebuke them, if I can't just cast them out, how do I respond? Well, uh, this might not be your favorite message of all time, <laughs> but there is a biblical principle that is throughout scripture and it has to do with there are some situations where we simply should not give up. We should pray continually and we should and we need to endure. We just need to stay strong. God's plan has not been lost or forfeited because of the failures of others. Paul, in this situation, stayed in fellowship with God. He got direction of what was to come so he could believe. He, he, he stayed positive. And I tell you, sometimes that's pretty difficult to stay positive. But, oh, the rich dividends it pays. When we're going through it and there's, it's, it's the result of somebody else, but we... We choose to say, you know what, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do this thing called endure and persevere. And I'm going to stay here until, you know, I outlast the storm. Until God gives me a word and tells me what to do. Until something changes. But I'm not going to quit in the middle of the hardship. That's the only way to win in these situations. You know, Paul got into this problem because of the actions of others. How many know? But they got out of it because of the actions of Paul. He was their salvation. Someone in the middle of it stayed positive and kept their their relationship and all channels open between themselves and God. And there came a message of what was going to happen and what they should do. And in the middle of it, man, I tell you, God will give you a word. If you stay positive, you stay open... You know, sometimes people might ask, why didn't Paul rebuke this storm like Jesus did? I think that's a good question. But apparently, this was not the same type of storm. This was not a demonic uh, uprising trying to stop uh, him from doing the work of God. This is a result of people that were um, putting this upon him. Sometimes, again, there's an attack entered into based on the foolishness of the leader. Do you recognize that in the realm of, of what I taught previously in speaking to the storm in the mountain, that we don't really have scripture that directs us to be global weather people, <laughs> meteorologists, or, whatever, or trying to... In other words, I don't think I have the ability to stop a tsunami on the other side of the planet. Now, if I get a word about it in prayer, then yes, we can do things. But generally speaking, we don't see Jesus doing that. We, we don't see him calming all storms around the planet. And while Jesus was here for 33 and a half years, amazingly, there were no storms. There, no, no. It is things that pertain to him in particular that he would have authority in. Uh, but I want to read these verses to you um, to give you an understanding. I've kind of used up so much of my time. You guys must have listened better than I preached. Uh, uh, Hebrews 10:36. Listen to these: "For you have need of endurance." Everybody say endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What do we need to do sometimes? Endure. 1 Corinthians 4:12, "And we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure. We do what? We rebuke. No, we endure. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 speaks about love. What does love do? It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's amazing when we have the love of God working in our lives how much we can put up with. (laughs) Someone said, I just can't take it anymore. I just can't stand the way I'm being treated anymore. Well, love can. Love, the love of God, the agape of heaven is inside of you, it can endure. It can put up with way more than you are naturally able to put up with. Yield to that. That's the only way to get through some of these situations. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul writes to Timothy, a young minister, and says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know what sometimes we need as believers? We need toughness. Sometimes you just need to be tough. You need to be strong. I don't mean this in a flippant or harsh way, but you need to suck it up. You need to stand up and say, I don't like this. I'm not enjoying this right now. I wish it could change. It's not righteous. It's not just. It's not of God. But I am not going to let it take me out. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to quit over this. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And sure, we're asking the Lord for grace and strength and ability to stand and stick in there. We're going to encourage ourselves in the Lord. But we are just absolutely not going to give in. Do you have any of that on the inside of you? Do you have any, anything on the inside that stirs up and says, yeah. And I'm not going to quit either. And I'm not going to give up. And I'm not going to let this thing take me out. And I'm not, not going to let this person overwhelm me in such a way where I lose in life. First Peter 2.19 For this is commendable because of conscience toward God. One endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Think about that. That's not my favorite verse either. But when when God sees people suffering wrongfully and they endure and they say, I am not going to give in to this. I am not going to let it take me out. I'm going to stand strong and serve the Lord and represent him well. God says, yeah, that's one of mine right there. He's pleased when we do. I don't think you will find a notable person who has accomplished anything of significance in life that didn't endure some junk. Show me someone who has been, you know, great in this, in this life that didn't overcome some obstacles, that didn't endure some hardships, that didn't go through some, some difficulties. I, I tell you, that's pretty much par for the course. So I don't really like that so much. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not even going to re-listen to this. <laughs> But you'll find that we could probably do a whole series on endurance and staying in there and sticking with it. Some things are just hard. Endure. It's not God's doing. He didn't plan it, but see it as an opportunity to grow stronger. See it as an opportunity. I'm going to, oh, man, this thing is heavy. I'm going to lift it anyway. And and as a result, your muscles get stronger. And as a result of this, your spiritual muscles get stronger. Refuse to quit. Amen. Think that's a good word for anybody at any time? Refuse to quit. Stick it out until the storm passes or God speaks or you just make it to shore. Stick it out in the middle. It's only those that quit in the middle of the battle that end up losing. Amen. Hebrews 12 tells us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Meaning sometimes when you're in a race, any, any runners, any yeah, uh, people have been in track meets and distance running, there's times when you don't want to do it, right? Times when you feel like I can't make it anymore, I can't run any further. And it's at that moment when you make a decision to either cave to that or say, but bless God, I'm going to keep running. And it's that endurance that puts you over the top. Say it out loud with me. Say, I will not give up. I won't quit I will outlast the storm or I'll hear from God but I will overcome amen. amen amen. Father thank you for working in our lives today thank you for helping us to see things and understand this life understand the whys understand what, why things happen and, and, and what we can do about it Lord we give you the honor and the praise for you are God of all wisdom you are God of all peace. You lead us in the way that we should go. And I pray even now for strength. Not just, not the physical strength that we talked about earlier, what you gave me, but for, for spiritual, emotional strength to be infused into the lives of every person going through a situation, dealing with junk. I pray that you'd strengthen them with might. By your spirit in the inner man. Hallelujah. So they could know the height and depth and length and width. And that they would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Father, thank you for working in every person today. We commit our way into you. We're never going to quit. We're never going to give up. We're always going to continue on to serve you all of our days this we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.